Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 256th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the Professor Emeritus, Matt Perkins, and a stuttered go across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. In high school, if you want an instant touchdown, the stutter goes the way to go, pun intended, uh, you'll get DBs spinning like a top and falling over, and you will get a great highlight reel out of that. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to be here. Got some FCS football. My brackets are actually intact. Go figure the, the year that I watched the least amount of basketball, my bracket does the best and I didn't pick Kansas to win anything significant. So that always helps too. That does definitely help. Uh, the heart here was flooding this weekend coach. So it would have taken yeah. a little longer to run that stutter, go across it. Oh but- yeah. I, I would have to paddle it. Yeah, uh, we'll call, call it the paddle go. Um, go. We can't get started without the third amigo in the second city. A man who longs for the days of anachro-communism. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, <laughs> Josh Cook. Sure. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. The, getting political. Yeah. Already. Throwing these big right. words at me. I don't know what that means. Uh, anarcho-communism. It's uh, it's all about uh, anarchy and communism. I mean, what, what, what else is there to explain? <laughs> it's, um, it's the idea of having collectivism a la a commune without any form of centralized government it's yeah yeah oh. take care of yourself take care uh, of your community and that what it's, Chaz it's, it, was in seattle <laughs> the uh of uh, the, uh, the capitol hill uh capitol hill autonomous zone and that what yeah. that was yeah Chaz. anarchist communism Chaz. Chaz bro chill yeah they got knocked out in the first round by the way <laughs> <laughs> Chaz, Chaz University. I was going to say, my, yeah. my bracket is not intact, but I still have Gonzaga, and that pick's holding up. The problem is, I have a feeling that was a popular pick. Yeah, it was a very popular pick, which is why I did not pick it, which is why my bracket is not intact. But if your bracket is or is not intact, you can still be betting on the games over at Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all the sports action. March Madness, guys, it's here. I'm doing terrible. Coach is doing well. Josh is somewhere in the middle. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head on over to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. One thing that we told you you should be putting your money on last week. Was Not my o- picks. <laughs> Not your picks, but was the over in the uh, Nickel State versus Incarnate Word game. The over-under was 67 and a half. Uh, they nearly doubled that. Uh, Nickel State won a doozy 75 to 45, Josh. And uh, like you were saying, uh, these teams don't really seem to be involved games that don't have 70 point lines. I mean, Cameron Ward, the quarterback for Incarnate Word, 39 for 65, 470 yards, six touchdowns in a losing effort. My goodness. Uh, Nichols, on the other hand, ran the ball for 350 yards and four scores. They also threw for five touchdowns. I mean, there was less defense in this than in most Big 12 games, Josh. Yeah, and, you know, we knew it was going to be a high-scoring affair. We knew that 
both teams can put up a boatload of points. What made it <laughs> difficult to figure out is which team would be firing on all cylinders. And Incarnate Word was certainly firing on some cylinders, uh, but they left their defense at home. And Nichols was in the zone. They put up 75 points. Um, it's funny, a week ago, they gave up 70 points. So uh, Nichols is a wonderful cliche. They're a Jekyll and Hyde team. Uh, be interesting to see what they do in their last two games. Uh, both of them are winnable. McNeese State and Southeast Louisiana. Uh, neither team has shown the uh, the scoring prowess that Nichols has. So uh, maybe that Sam Houston State game will end up being their lone blemish in a really nice year. But uh, yeah, just <laughs> they were awesome. I mean, what's not to like about what they did against Incarnate Word? I mean, coach, these teams combined for basically 1,200 yards, 1,194 total yards. And honestly, to me, the only the, the real difference in this game is turnovers. You see Incarnate Word throws a pick, fumbles the ball twice more, and Nichols is careful with the ball. And when neither team can stop it, the only way, you know, you know, you're gonna stop them from getting in the end zone is getting some turnovers, and that's what the Colonels were able to do. Yeah, they were. I mean, you know, they're they're able to take advantage of that and, and usually the two biggest stats in in football right now are uh win the turnover battle and uh get explosive plays and limit the explosive plays against you. And uh, Nickel State did just that. They 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 took care of the ball slightly better uh, than Incarnate Word. I mean, I don't know um, how, many, how many explosive plays they limited. They just happened to have more when it yeah, comes to Yeah, they just this. happened to win that ratio. I mean, as long as you win the ratio, it doesn't matter, sure. Sure. I guess. Um, you know, you would, you would love to limit how many you give up, but as long as you, you know, double uh, – double how many you let up then you're then you're good to go so um but yeah i mean you know you get you get uh you, you get a quarterback that throws for 470 yards in a loss 65 passes attempt attempted that's crazy uh you had uh you know lindsey scott jr for for nickel state i mean he was only 17 of 21 yeah but he threw uh, five so, touchdowns. But he threw five touchdowns, so not a ton of yards, which is surprising. Uh, they got a lot of yards on the ground. I mean, you had John Carrington the third had thirteen carries, one hundred thirty-five, two touchdowns. Um, and then uh, you know you, you had uh, you had it just looked like all their yards were spread out a bunch of uh, amongst a bunch of people. So uh, that's crazy. They had a special teams touchdown. Dante's costly. Uh, he had a he had a kick return for ninety yards um, and a touchdown, and uh, didn't do much on the ground. He had uh, one carry for minus twelve on the ground, and he had two catches for seventy yards and a pair of touchdowns on the receiving end. So yeah, so you talk about the, the, those big plays, right? It's the kick return, yeah. the two bombs, and the passing game. Yep, and that's you know th that definitely negates that negative twelve yard run. Uh, over in the Colonial, switching gears, uh, speaking of gaining yards on the ground, Coach Delaware ran the ball all over uh, the Ram Wagon, uh, Rhode Island, this past weekend. 
to the tune of 363 yards on 56 carries. I mean, this, you know, this looks like uh, a, a stat from like a Navy Army Navy game or something like that. Even though Delaware is not running the triple option, they were definitely pounding the rock like they were a service academy. Dejon Lee, 221 yards and two scores, averaged 10 yards a carry. Really excellent effort by him. And Delaware, I think, is starting to emerge in the Colonial as potentially the biggest threat to James Madison, Coach. Yeah, they are. Um, They're starting to really kind of develop a nice run game, which they've always kind of had. They've been, you know, traditionally they're known for wing T, and and then they've kind of developed that as they've gone, and and they've kind of modernized it and, and made it, you know, kind of into something that's pretty sporty, especially in the passing game. I think they've really enhanced the passing game a little bit as they go. They haven't had to rely on it this year as much. There's certain years where they do, you know, I guess when you have a guy like Joe Flacco come in uh, years ago, you can actually rely on the pass a little bit more. However, their roots are in the wing T. They had three, they had three cats with, uh, with double digit carries. Um, You had, you had Corey Sproul with 15 carries, almost 100 yards there. Uh, you had another guy score a touchdown, uh, very efficient, three carries, six yards, but he punched one in. Uh, Dejon Lee is, is is a special cat. He was averaging 10 yards a carry. So it's dangerous when you can do that. And when you control the ball, control the clock, and then you can break off chunk runs like, like Lee was doing, you don't really – I mean, explosive plays are explosive plays no matter if they're through the air or – or on the ground. And when you can be efficient like that and average 10 yards a carry, it's hard to stop. And and uh, they, they did a good job of doing that for sure. Yeah, I mean, you look at the team stats and it's just your classic grinding down type win. Uh, Delaware with over 41 minutes time of possession. Uh, and then you see the third down efficiency, 9 of 17 for Delaware. They had 27 first downs for the entire game, three of three on fourth down. Rhode Island, two of eight on the all-important third down, just 11 first downs overall. I mean, you're going to get absolutely worn out. And I mean, it's it's 14-7 at halftime, but Delaware just comes out and grinds and grinds and grinds in that third quarter, putting up 14 points and, and pulling away in it. So, you know, Rhode Island... Is having a nice year, all things considered. They they had a nice win last week. There's some pieces there, but I think you just see really the different tier that James Madison is on and what Delaware is hoping that they are on. And I would say through three games, I don't know what more Delaware needs to do to prove that they're on that f- level. I mean, <laughs> they've now scored... They've now just, scored thirty one. Yeah, they scored thirty one points or more, all three of their wins. Uh, until the Rhode Island game, they hadn't given up a single touchdown on the year. So they're playing really well on both sides of the ball, and they don't have to take on James Madison until the title game. So yeah, I mean the, the yeah, path you know, is they're, open. They're playing that. They're playing that North schedule. Plus, they have a bonus game when they're playing in state rival. Uh, Delaware State, which is a game that's actually going to be on ESPN2 coming up here in a couple of weeks, which should be fun. Uh, one of the other things, I just want to really quickly touch on the Rams. 
Coach, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but a, a familiar name is behind center for the Rams these days. It's Kasim Hill, former starter at Maryland, who then transferred oh. to Tennessee. And then last summer, it transferred over to Rhode Island. There was there. Is he going to Valdosta State next year? Who knows? But, you know, they're, 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 playing, a touchdown. they're, they're playing a little. Uh, you know they're playing a little spurrier ball there. They they're, they're swapping yeah, they quarterbacks are. on drives, and yeah, you know Hill Hill was not effective this game. No, he wasn't. I mean, ten attempts for twenty six yards is not going to get it done. Mm-mm. But the really bad pick early on too. No, no, he didn't. No, he he didn't finish with any picks in this game. It was a Rob, Robinson threw the bad pick. For, for the okay, Rams. I'm getting my numbers mixed up, I guess, because I, I, when I was watching the game, I guess I was getting my numbers yeah, mixed up. Yeah, that was Robinson that threw a pretty Because they don't have their bit. names on their jerseys. No, they don't. Helps. So, um, But Hill, I'm I'm a little bit surprised. You think a guy with that kind of talent who had, you know, not a ton of success, but a little bit of success at Maryland uh, before he got he eventually got passed up there, would be able to find some success down here. But he just that just hasn't happened for the Rams first loss of the year I'm still on the Ram wagon though moving forward uh, yeah they're I mean they're a good team if they can just settle on a quarterback I I hate the quarterback shuffle because you you can't get a guy in a rhythm you know it didn't work for Spurrier really uh it didn't work with him until he settled on a quarterback it didn't work for Bill Walsh when he did it with with two Hall of Famers mm-hmm. so it doesn't work no nope. you got to let a guy get in a rhythm never has it no, never, has. never has, never will. The only Settle time on it, a guy, there's only one him. time that I can remember that it worked, and that's when, um, in Chris Leak and Tebow. That's exactly what I was gonna say, Chris Leak and Tebow. But they had special packages just for Tebow that were like goal line packages, basically, and he was yeah, effectively he was, a wildcat quarterback that freshman season of his. Yeah, he, he threw a couple like random jump passes. Yeah, he would throw the jump pass, stuff. and it would look like a duck, and yeah. you know his wind up would take five and a half seconds to get the ball out of his hands. And then he then he would run around the he'd run around the end zone like he was uh like he was Hulk Hogan mm-hmm. or Ultimate Warrior actually the Ultimate Warrior um, yeah one of the oh my god I'm watching these highlights again it's just one wow. one of the wildest games of the weekend was Mercer and Chattanooga uh, this is a game we did not preview but I want to talk about because there was a, a couple interesting things about about this game not just that Mercer. Uh, was able to pull off the victory and hold off uh, Chattanooga there um, as uh, Chattanooga was trying to make a a comeback there in the second half. But there was also a crap ton of weather going on in this one. As anyone who lives in Middle Tennessee knows, we had some serious weather this weekend. There were lightning delays. This game took like six hours to play. It was an absolute wild one. But good on Mercer for being able to pull this one out. And for me, what really impressed me with um, what, what really impressed me here with Mercer was the fact that, you know, they didn't have the prettiest game on the stat line, but their defense. Yes, they gave up 28 points, but their defense actually really kept them in them, kept it, kept them in it, forcing a couple, forcing a couple turnovers and was able to get uh chattanooga to you know only convert three third down opportunities so on combined on third and fourth down chattanooga was three for 11 and you know we've talked about this with other games coach but you know i I think mercer really shows some grit in this win they did they showed some grit they 
they resilience, I guess, with all the adversity, they could have folded like a tent. But I think what it also comes down to is is the inexperience for Chattanooga. You know, when you when you have a team that's as young as they are, they have nine freshmen on their offensive on the, uh, on their offensive uh, starting unit, Ooh. and when yeah exactly and uh whether that's with injuries you know i don't know how how it all un, unfolded with how they had nine freshmen but they have nine freshmen so they have a lot of inexperience uh, across the board and when you have that you're going to get very hot and cold type performances and you got young guys that can't quite handle the rigors of starting and stopping with lightning delays and weather delays poor playing in poor weather playing in rain wet ball all that stuff so it just, it just, you know, UTC just couldn't handle all that stuff. Mercer could, and you, you saw the result. I mean, it, it was, it was even for for a little while, um, but you know, special teams, Matt, uh, two muff punts by the uh, by the mock set up uh, short fields for Mercer. Again, you got to take care of the football when and and that you know turnover battle, and that's that's a big difference. Yeah, I mean, Mercer, just a strange game. Nine penalties, 105 yards. Um, but what I liked is they ran the ball really effectively as a team. 206 rushing yards on 53 carries took them a while to get there. But you know what? That's a 3.9 yards per. And Woody, has, Woody Hayes has a famous quote about three yards in a cloud of dust. And it was kind of that day for Mercer. Um, you look at their rushing stats, uh, they were led by Brandon Marshall, who only had 74 yards on 15 carries, but he had two touchdowns, uh, a few other teammates got in the end zone, all told five rushing touchdowns for Mercer. So, um, it wasn't pretty, they got the win, but bigger picture, I'm, I'm very curious about this Mercer team. They went 0 and three way back in the fall. Lost to Jacksonville State and Abilene Christian um, by just a few points combined. They lost by six to Jacksonville State and three to Abilene Christian. Uh, Army beat them up pretty good for their other loss. But against FCS foes, they were right there. Well, since spring ball started, they had a loss to Wofford, who's a pretty good team, and VMI, who's sitting on top of the conference. But they've won three of their other games. So they're sitting at three and five overall, but three and two here in spring ball. I'm really curious, you know, after winning two in a row, winning this weird game against Chattanooga, I'm curious what they do this weekend against Furman, a, a team that's scuffled a little bit, but talent-wise is considered one of the better teams in the league. And then finishing up with East Tennessee State and Samford, I, I think it would be a real coup for this team to to come out and win some of those games, win maybe two of them, maybe Furman's a, a bridge too far, but you know they win two of them, so they go above five hundred here in spring ball and just a game below five hundred when you factor in the the three games they played back in the fall. I, I think that'd be a pretty nice turnaround and maybe a springboard for Mercer going into next season. Yeah, I mean they're into they're into they're in every single ball game. They're they're a tough out. I mean they were a tough out against Wofford. Uh, Wofford struggled with them. They they battled and then Wofford kind of uh, experience and talent or actually experience scheme coaching things like that kind of played out in the end. Um, 
you know, but when you're in games, when you've got constant opportunities to make big plays, eventually you're going to make them. They did. Uh, they made several against against Chattanooga. Uh, and this Furman team who's struggling probably, if I'm guessing, does not want to see a team that I, I think they're pretty hot right now. I think they're playing as good as they've played uh, since since uh, Drew Chronic took over uh, the, the program. And so they're a team on the rise. Uh, they're, they're a team that's going to be very, very tough to deal with down the stretch of the season. They're going to be very tough to deal with as they continue to grow uh, season after season uh, because they're in a they're in a pretty good recruiting area in Middle Georgia well, that Macon Warner Robins so, so area. That's they're going to get some. That kids. was the last thing I want to ask you before we move on. Was they're in Macon? They're in a really you know they're in a, a hotbed. Quite frankly, yeah. That I mean, Macon Warner, Warner Robins, Robins has yeah one of the best. Football they have two pro- state champions. Yeah, what, they have two state champion programs. Yeah, and so you know, could we see this be the next Kennesaw State? You know, I, I want to say yes, but we have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Kennesaw State. You know, what, what, what does it take? Okay, the, then what does it take for Mercer to become the next Kennesaw State? I guess is a better question. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, Kennesaw State just came on so fast, so quickly because you know they're sitting in Atlanta, um, and they you know Atlanta just per capita just has more bodies and so they did you know they they just did really well recruiting wise they play hard they're well coached and I guess time will tell they they just need to continue to to make big plays on defense they need to continue to get get explosive plays like they have and they just need to keep keep building their brand um and I I think they're not far away Kennesaw State's kind of an anomaly if you ask me they they were they were they burst onto the scene which is you know, with an upstart program like that is unheard of. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. I, I would I would say they're less of the norm than, than what Mercer's doing. Okay, cool. Well, uh, one school that has been, you know, over the last couple of years in the South, one of the better programs at Jacksonville State, they took on Austin P this weekend, and they had maybe the ugliest, most difficult game I have ever seen. Jacksonville State, check out these stats, guys. Jacksonville State had six turnovers, 18 penalties, 18 penalties for 126 yards, yet still only lost by a field goal. Now, obviously, you know, Jacksonville State was a favorite in this game. This has not been the last two seasons have been a bit of a downturn um, as compared to sort of like the middle part of the last decade where Jacksonville State, you can pretty much pencil them in for 10 wins every season. Um, so, Josh, I, what, what I wanted to ask you, was this just a was this just Jacksonville State just being super sloppy or did Austin P do something to make them this sloppy? Ooh, good question. Well, obviously, if you are given the opportunity to intercept a ball, you need to actually catch it. So, you know, that that is hats off to hats off to Austin P for doing that. Their defense played phenomenal. You already mentioned all the turnovers that they forced, but I got to be very curious about some of the coaching decisions made in this game. It's very clear that your quarterback Zion Webb is having a bad day. 9 of 26 for 111 yards, zero touchdowns, 
four interceptions, and he also fumbled it twice, losing one. So he's not playing well. So first of all, why are you attempting 26 passes when it will become very apparent early in the game that he's not playing up to his standard? And then you have your running back, Josh Samuel, having an all right day, 20 carries, 89 yards with a touchdown. It's a tight game throughout. Why are you not pounding, 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 pounding the ball? Why is why is it Zion Webb not at like, oh, I don't know, 15 attempts and Samuel at about, oh, 40 carries? Just, you know, play the play the game that's dealt to you. Well, coach, that's one thing I was going to ask you there. You know, is it just that because, I mean, their scheme down there, at Jacksonville State, they've been a little bit more wide open, I think. And, yeah. and so is that just a thing where, like, they just don't have it in their in their playbook, in the scheme that they run to do something like that? I mean, they have it in the playbook, but that, that's just that part of their philosophy is just, you know, air it out, spread it out and and, and be aggressive through the air. I mean, that's just kind of you live and die by that, I guess. And and. Jacksonville State chooses to do that, and sometimes you're, you know, sometimes it's going to be sloppy, sometimes it's going to be rough. But for for them, it's worked more than it's not. So, if I'm Jacksonville State and I win ten games a year, you know, what's to tell me that we're we can't just throw our throw our way out of pro, uh, problems? That's true, but I mean, this is you know, this is not. I mean, I'm not saying it's it. right or wrong. I'm just saying that's kind of where their philosophy is. Probably mm-hmm. if I had, you know, without without being in their meetings and without knowing their coaching staff. If if you watch Jacksonville State, you would assume that that's their philosophy. I I think you need to run a little bit more. Even I, I kind of fell in that line of thinking of, hey, I'm just going to throw my way out of these problems. It doesn't work. Um, and and I think you do need some sort some semblance of a run game. And and I think you you can't be. I think the pitfalls of of it sometimes is you get stubborn, and you don't realize you got a you got a guy that's carried it 20 times for 89 yards and a touchdown. Hey, feed him. You know, feed him. If, if if the Falcons wouldn't have been so stubborn in the Super Bowl, um, and fed Devontae Freeman more in the second half, maybe they, maybe, maybe I'm wearing my uh, Falcons Super Bowl T-shirt, but I'm not. Um, so, you know, maybe they'll watch the film. Maybe they'll go back and and review it and say, okay, we 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 need to, you know, we need to run better. We need to run more. Well, another thing though, too and we shouldn't discount this, is Austin P was a team with a lot of buzz. And Austin P's not a bad yeah, team. Yeah, a lot They're of buzz. They were expected to compete for the conference. They beat this Jacksonville State team a year ago. And it just hasn't happened. They're having a bad season. They're not a bad team. Sometimes you see a team kind of rally in moments like this, and maybe Jacksonville State got caught Looking at the clippings and going, oh, we're playing two and five awesome B. This is going to be a walkover. True. True. But I think that the, the one thing that you can't discount is that Austin P has maybe the best offensive player in FCS football in D'Angelo Wilson. Um, as far as receivers go, I would put him against anyone in the country. There's a reason he was a preseason All-American. There was a reason he was my pick to as the OVC Offensive Player of the Year coming into the season. And he is showing up game in and game out to do so. And again, he had another hundred yard game. He scored the only touchdown for Austin P in this one. 
and he uh you know he, he showed up again and i think when you have a guy like that who's just so reliable it's it, it it's so helpful for a quarterback to just be able to know okay i can throw it up and he's going to go get it for me so um on the offensive side of the ball Austin P only scored 13 points but you know they were able to they were able to at least convert third downs and not have a bunch of three and outs so uh, nice win for the Govs. Um, and before we get into this weekend's games, I want to give a brief moment to talk about our latest sponsor, eBay. Whether it's that whether it's that rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop that pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker experts verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it protects sellers with a verified return process. eBay has also eliminated selling fees and sneakers more than $100, making it free to sell or flip your collection. So head on over to ebay.com sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Last weekend, Josh... You went two and two. Coach and I both went one and three in our picks. Uh, let's you know, let's improve on that this weekend. Unfortunately, one of the games that we were most looking forward to this coming weekend, the battle in the Missouri Valley between South Dakota State and North Dakota State has been postponed. So we will not be able to talk about that. But what we will be able to talk about is two undefeated teams in the Colonial going at it when James Madison and Richmond face off this weekend at richmond and uh james madison here is an uh is an 11 and a half point favorite at robbins stadium i went first last week on picks that means josh you get to go first this week what side are you taking are you taking the number one team in the country james madison or do you like richmond to cover if not upset them spiders yeah i mean james madison they're number one in the country for a reason they had a two-week layoff and came out very crisp against william and mary uh down there in the va um we know the faces over there you know cold johnson they're, they're fantastic quarterback uh percy agaye obesi they're outstanding running back uh Good on you for Thank saying you. that name because that, that that would have destroyed. <laughs> but that. Uh, you know, Richmond is the surprise upset. They're three and zero, and so I was looking at some of their stats, and they have some really intriguing numbers. First of all, quarterback Joe Mancuso, six touchdowns, zero interceptions, five hundred eighty-one yards on the season. So that's pretty good, sixty percent completion rate. But then I saw something I absolutely love. You guys know I'm a sucker for teams that spread it around. So they have a whole bunch of names. They have in order of receiving yards. They have Leroy Henley, John Fitzgerald, uh, Josiah Williams, Aaron Dykes, Isaac Brown, and Justin Jasper. And they all have six or more receptions on the year. And they all have 79 yards or more. So the wide receivers are involved. Tight end John Fitzgerald's the second leading receiver on the team. 
Aaron Dykes, the running back, is involved. Um, they can spread it around. They can make it hard to game plan. Will it be enough to win the game? I don't think so. But I think Richmond hangs around just enough. I will take the home underdogs. Ooh, Josh likes the points in this one. Coach, what do you say? The first thing you said, Josh, was James Madison's number one for a reason. Um, you said you you appreciate teams that spread it around. Uh, I think you are just longing for somebody to replace Brian Ferentz and do that at Iowa. Um, <laughs> can't blame you there. Uh, I longed for that at Georgia. We finally got somebody, and, and they discovered that JT Daniels actually was pretty good at football. Um, so I'm picking the Georgia – wait, no, wrong game. Um, no, I'm, I'm picking James Madison. Uh, I, I think they cover. They're number one. They're, they're going to win by two touchdowns. Yeah, Josh, you talk about spreading it around. Well, James Madison spreads it around on the ground. You talked about Percy Agayo BC already. Yes, I tackled that name too, Coach. I'm not uh, doing it. But you not didn't mention – you, mentioned, you didn't mention Jawan Hamilton, Kalen Black, and Latrell Palmer. All four of those backs are able to be bell cows. And I What'd think that, yes, I, 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 I called you a bell cow. I'm, I, I'm riding you all day, son. And boy. Uh, I'm going to ride you into the sunset like James Madison is going to ride that running game. Uh, spiders create webs. Uh, the, the Duke's running attack is going to go right through that web. And I, I'm, I'm going to take the Dukes here uh, to cover that big, big number. Let's head Did out we just guarantee Richmond bi- win by Matt, you and I picking? <laughs> uh, pretty Madison. much. Yep, uh, that'll cool. do it every yep. time. Uh, we got the 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 coach and uh, the coach and professor stink on yeah. it. So I would have picked uh, let's Jack head out. Uh, for for the canceled game, just so you know. So what? So what have I? Just because I I I picked the Jackrabbits at the beginning of the season, and I have, feel like I have to stick to my guns. Um, let's head to the Big Sky, uh, Eastern Washington, UC Davis. UC Davis, one of my favorite teams to watch in the in the entire country. After a tough loss to Weber State a couple weeks back, uh, they've won. They've now won two straight. They struggled a little bit with Idaho State before pulling away later. Um, a couple weeks ago, they scored 73 against Cal Poly. That Cal Poly defense apparently is genuinely atrocious because they gave up 62 to Eastern Washington last week. We know, bo- we know both these offenses can give up points, can put up a lot of points. Both defenses can be a little bit suspect. Nonetheless, the Eagles of Eastern Washington, one-and-a-half-point favorites, on the road in Davis at UC Davis Health Stadium in Davis, California, wine country, agriculture country. Josh, who do you like here? Well, you mentioned Weber State, uh, a game we did not talk about in our rundown, but whoo, they narrowly escaped Northern Arizona a few days ago. Um, that was a heck of a game. I think the rest of the conference was. Uh, pulling for the Lumberjacks, to say the least, to to have Weber uh, drop a game. But in terms of this one, um, you know, Eastern Washington started with that loss at Idaho and we're all kind of like, oh, whoa, their high flying offense only put up 21 points. And then against Northern Arizona, they look back on track, blow them out against Idaho State. They win, but it's 46-42 and we're like, oh. What's up with this Eagle defense? 
Well, I think against Cal Poly, they finally put together the type of game we expect from Eastern Washington, 62 to 10. One of my favorite cliches, midseason form. I think Eastern Washington is into that. Um, Cal Poly's a team that is really good, and there's a lot to like about it. I just think Eastern Washington is a little bit you mean, better. You, you mean Davis, not Cal Poly. Cal yeah. Poly is not good. Cal Poly is very bad. Yeah, I meant, sorry. Uh, I keep seeing Cal Poly all over all of their schedules because as I look at my notes. They both, in their last two games, both teams <laughs> played Cal Poly and Idaho State. So When you when you look at Cal Davis's schedule, by the way, it shows uh, Friday, February 26th, Cal Poly postponed. Then they played Cal Poly on the 20th of March. And then April 10th, Cal Poly has been canceled. <laughs> Cal Poly appears three times on their schedule. So as I was looking at my notes, I kept seeing, and then it was a Freudian slip. But anyway, so uh, there's a lot to like about Davis. But one of the things I absolutely love about Eastern Washington is the quarterback situation. Eric Barrier, senior quarterback. He is phenomenal. He has 1,491 yards and 13 touchdowns. Ooh. In, in four games, four games, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Three here, here. He did all staff. of it against Cal three, Poly. Yeah, <laughs> well, no, he did three thirty nine, four thirteen, four fifty five, and then Cal Poly was actually his his worst game, two eighty four. Yeah, when your worst game is two eighty four, you're doing something <laughs> right. Yeah, so I, I'm going with Eastern Washington, uh, but I I do think it'll be a close game, and uh, there's a lot to like about this Davis team. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I, I think it's you know when when you pick a game like this where I, I think it's very close in the matchup. You you get the more experienced and better passing attack coming on the road, which is kind of hit or miss depending on, you know, how veteran this team is and how well they handle it. You know, Eastern Washington does not quite have the pop that they, that they have before in the past, in the recent past. But I, I think when you have a quarterback that is red hot, that can, you know, in a game that's a pretty much a pick them at minus one and a half, you know, I, I think that does some things for you. I, I think when you put a lot of pressure on a defense, especially a defense at home, you know, UC Davis is, for some reason, I feel like they've got a lot of pressure on them to, to win this game. And I, I think Eastern Washington is a team that's kind of figuring some things out. Uh, they're figuring it out through the air, whereas like teams like North Dakota State and South Dakota State and Delaware and James Madison have figured it out on the ground. I, I think Eastern Washington has figured it out through the air, and and I think they're going to be, you know, a little bit better, a little bit more polished, and I, I think it's going to be, uh, I think you're going to see a victory, uh, an Eastern Washington victory. I think it's going to be one of those where we're kind of edging this thing, uh, and and then right there at the end. They're going to win by six points. My head says Eastern Washington. My heart says UC Davis. And, you know, I picked Hunter Rodriguez, the quarterback at Davis, to be the offensive player of the year for the conference. Not feeling great about that. He's been serviceable, but he he's turning the ball over a little bit too much. He's thrown, a, he's thrown four picks in four games. He's had a couple fumbles. But... I don't know. I look at the common opponents for these teams. Both of them beat Idaho State by four points. Eastern Washington beat Cal Poly by 52. UC Davis beat Cal Poly by 49. That's a wash. They both played at Idaho. 
in consecutive weeks. Eastern Washington lost at Idaho by a touchdown, and Davis was able to win at Idaho by 10. <sighs> it's really tough. It's, it, it's a really, really tough call. But uh, you guys are going to zig, so I will zag and go with Davis. Uh, Matt, you're, you're letting what a Patrino did influence you? What's next? You're going to be riding co-eds on your, on your motorcycle? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. No, um, I'm, I'm going with Davis. I'm, I'm going with Davis. Since, since Paul Petrino is like the lesser version of everything his brother does, he probably cruises around Moscow on one of those tricycles, right? Oh, those motorized tricycles? Oh, uh, wait, oh no, like a, uh, what are those, like th- those Can-Ams or whatever they are? Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he, he's he's rocking a Segway, bro. <laughs> rocking a Segway. Can you fall off a Segway? Can you have? Can you have a serious oh, accident? You, on a you segway? haven't. I I feel like you can face plant pretty good on one of those things. I've been on a Segway. They have like mechanisms built in so you don't do that. Oh, they but... they, they, they look very face plantable. Is well, that a word? Uh, it is now. It is now. Um, let's head on over back to the Colonial. Villanova and Maine are facing off in Orono at Morse Morse Field at Harold Alfand Stadium in Orono, Maine. Uh, gentlemen, Matt, have you I'm ever no- been to Orono, Maine? I have been to Orono, Maine. I've been to a lot of towns in Maine, so um, you know when when half your family's from Maine, that that that'll end up happening. Uh, Villanova five and a half point favorites on the road. At Maine, uh, Villanova hasn't played a game though since they lost to Rhode Island three weeks ago. So it's going to be—they will have had a long time. They will have had effectively four weeks between games uh, for them. So I, Josh, do you think the rust is going to come into place for them? And if so, do you think that that will affect the Wildcats or or? and allow them to be upset by the black bears? Or do you think that that they'll just be rested up enough to be able to come out on top? Yeah, there's a lot of concern that I have about this Villanova team. I mean, they, they didn't look particularly good in the two games they did play. Uh, They barely beat Stony Brook 16, 13, a, a team that most people had at a middle of the pack, if not near the bottom in the conference, and then they lose to Rhode Island in overtime. And Rhode Island is a decent team, but, I mean, they showed their true colors against Delaware. And that was way back on March 13th. And so they've been sitting for a long time. There's going to be rust. The fact that they didn't look very good also concerns me. And Maine is kind of rounding into form. You know, Maine's won their last two games. They beat an Albany team who, it turns out they're not as good as I thought in the preseason and and also their quarterbacks hurt now so that's a bit of an issue but they beat them and then they beat that Stony Brook team pretty handily a lot better than Villanova did so I actually think straight up Maine's gonna win so I'll take them all day against the the spread coach yeah I think if Jay Wright can uh really take advantage of the fast break offense I, I think we can uh you know, if they if they hit the boards really hard and and they they can hit some three pointers, I think we're we're going to see Villanova pull this one. Wait, hold on, wrong notes. Sorry. <laughs> uh, did they get knocked out of the tournament? They did. Yes, didn't they? they did. Okay. All right. No, sorry about that. No, I, I think the the layoff is going to kill them. On a serious note, I, I think not. 
uh, you know, just kind of being inconsistent up and down. I think it's going to be tricky for, for Villanova, who right now seems to be, if you look at it on paper, without all the, the other external factors and variables, they are the more talented team. We Maine is still, and, and I said this in the preview, Maine is still kind of that clay that you're that you're molding as you go and and you're you're kind of trying to figure it out how it's going to take shape so you don't really know what you're you don't really know with every move what you're going to get but i think maine has some built-in advantages villanova's got to travel uh villanova's been kind of in a more inconsistent pattern as far as their season has gone uh so a lot of factors working against villanova i'm going to take the black bears here because you know what, I kind of got behind them. They were a, they were a team that intrigued me preseason when we did the preview. They're a team that still intrigues me, and they're a team that I think can do some special things if they figure out how to find some consistency and figure out how to find a way to have an identity. So I'm going to pick the Black Bears here. I think they find it this weekend. Do y'all know how hard it is to get to Orono, Maine? Like it's 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 up there. Like it's you have to. It, it, I feel like you have to get there and you fly into Montreal, right? <laughs> no, not quite. Um, and then you take the train, I mean, the Orno to Montreal direct. I, I to get to Orno, I mean, it's outside of Bangor, and Bangor is while where is Julie the, the cat Gaffney's from. While it is ca- the capital of Maine, it's not a very big town. That's 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 a Mighty Ducks reference for those of you keeping score at home. Um, you know, the, the closest uh, quasi major airport is in Portland, which is more than two hours away. It's tough to get from Philadelphia to Bangor. It's a bit of a trip. Villanova. I don't know how inspired they're going to be. Now, maybe they just have all this pent up energy. having not played football for a month against another team, but I, I really like Maine in this one. I, I think that they should I honestly thought they should be favored in this game. So the fact that I'm getting five, the, the, the fact that I'm getting five and a half with the black bears, like all, you know, give, give me the black bears all day. Now, Matt, I want to, I want to return to something you said. You said that you've been to a lot of towns in Maine. I have, I have found a list of incorporated towns in Maine. Mm-hmm. This excludes Maine's 23 incorporated cities. So okay. no no Augusta on this list. I want I want to throw a few out. Okay. These are picked purely on the sound of the name. Okay. Have you been to Kennebunk? That's where my father grew up. Yes, I've been to I've been to Kennebunk probably more so than almost any other town. There we go. Have you same county, so maybe you've been there. Have you gone from Kennebunk to a, a day at Old Orchard Beach? Old Orchard Beach is Maine's probably their most famous beach. So yes. There we go. Well, that's just learn something. That's fun. That's uh, fun. Uh, uh, Kenny Bunk is not to be confused with Kenny Bunk Port. Uh, Kenny Bunk Port uh, <laughs> abuts Kenny Bunk. Uh, the Bush family of George W., George H.W., etc. Kenny Bunk Port, former de- Democratic senator from Maine, Ed Muskie from Kenny hmm. Bunk. Now, Matt, do not been- get it confused. Now, Matt, have you been to Waldo Borough? I have not been to Walterboro. It's in Lincoln County. I have not been there, no. That well, Waldoboro. Let's let's do it. All right. So we've we're two yeses, one no. 
Okay. Now, now I know where Walterboro is. I've been to Damascata, which is just south of Walterboro, but I have mm-hmm. not been up to Walterboro. Uh, Walterboro, actually not too, too far where my grandmother, Grammy Jean, uh, lives. Uh, her, her, the, the, her town, well, her unincorporated town is uh, Parker Head, but it, her, her mailing address is technically Phippsburg, Maine, which should be mm. on that list of yours. Have you been to China? Uh, I've never I've not been to China in Maine nor in Asia. You've never so, been to China. That's over, <laughs> that's over Ch- in Kennebunk County. Ken, n- n- yes, not not Kennebunk, Kennebunk. Ch- How about China. Dover Foxcrot? Dover Foxcrot? Dover Foxcroft. Dover Foxcroft. So, with, a hyphen, like, with a hyphen. With a hyphen. Sex move. I have I, I have not been to either of those. <laughs> it's one city or one town, I should say. Just like Warner Robins. Yeah, and no, I've not been there. How about Mechanic Falls? Uh, I Mechanic Falls is just west of Lewiston. I've passed through it. There we go. And last but not least, home to exactly five people: <laughs> Fry Island, Maine, in Cumberland County. Fry Island is that F R E I or F R E Y? F R Y E. Fry Island. I have obviously never been <laughs> to Fry Island. Um, Fry Island is not an island in the ocean, but it is an it is an island in Sebago Lake. In fact, um, which at the, at the last census it had five people. That's impressive. Uh, Sebago uh, it, uh, is near uh, North. They Wind practice Maine. intense population control there. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, it's you know it's actually not that far from Portland. Um, Sebago Lake is a very, very large lake. There's a lot of lakes in Maine. Now, uh, beautiful country, but uh, no, I have not been to now, Fry Island. Uh, well, if we go, if we go, we need to go on Independence Day. It's the most celebrated holiday on the island. This is per Wikipedia, and it has a very well-known golf cart parade followed by fireworks. I mean, I love a good golf cart parade. There so, you go. Um, Fry Island, it's a uh, it, you know it, 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 as far as uh, Lake Islands go, it's a good size. Yep. It's a good size. It, the five, the 2010 census, the five families uh, were in two households. The population density was 3.7 people per square mile, and the racial makeup of the town is a hundred percent white. At my uh, at my uh, at my work, I met someone the other day from Fort Kent, Maine. There you go. Now Fort Kent, Maine is on the border. Of Quebec, it is about as far north in Maine as you can get. Um, you are, I mean, you, you you might as well be in Canada. You're actually no, it's on the border. I should say with New Brunswick, not with Quebec. It's on the border with New Brunswick. So, um, how much of this are you gonna have to edit out for? Uh, oh, this I'm, is a football podcast. I'm leaving it all in. It's all it's, it's our all main very relevant lesson. Yeah, it, it's it's gonna be your aunt's favorite section. Of the history no, of the it's gonna show. be my it's gonna be my dad's favorite section of the show as as <laughs> as, as our resident maniac. I like that maniac. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and what else are you gonna call someone from Maine? A Mainanite? Mainer? A, a, a Maine? No, it's maniac. I mean, it, it has to be maniac. I don't know how Maine it could be anything ends? else. No, uh, San Diegans. <laughs> okay well uh let's head from the uh penobscot valley to the ohio valley 
and uh, talk about Murray State and Austin P. Guys, Murray State is off to the quietest five and zero start in all of FCS this spring. Uh, all they are dispatching foes left and right now. To be fair, they have not played the toughest schedule. Uh, Austin P is probably the best team that they have faced so far this season. Nonetheless, five and zero is five and zero, and I don't care how you get there, if it's luck or whatever. It's tough to be five and zero. Yet somehow they are still dogs on the road in Clarksville against Austin P. Austin P coming off of that ridiculous game we talked about against Jacksonville State. Um, I picked Austin P last week. That was my one win uh, in our in, in our in our contest last week, and so I feel like I need to stick with the Govs. That being said, man. It's really hard to pick against a 5-0 team, especially when they're getting points. So give me the racers on the road. Uh, I don't even know why I went first. I was supposed to go last. Josh, I'm going to let you go. Well, I'm taking Murray State as well. I I think that, you know, Austin P. it just hasn't clicked this year. They've been really out of sync with a lot of stuff. And they were given their last game thanks to six turnovers for interceptions. I don't see Murray doing that. And I think one of the reasons why Murray is off to such a great start is um, they hired a coach back in December 13th of 2019. So just as the 2019 season was ending, and then obviously the 2020 year got all messed up. Now, who did they hire and why didn't we talk about it way back then? Well, we're so focused on the FBS coaching carousel. We don't have time for the FCS coaching carousel. But who did they hire? They hired Kentucky assistant Dean Hood. Why does that matter? Well, this is not Dean Hood's first FCS job. He's already coached in the Ohio Valley Conference. He coached at Eastern Kentucky from 2008 to 2015. He went 50 5 and 38 overall and a whopping 44 and 19 in conference. He knows how to coach in this league and at this level. It was a great hire. We're seeing the product immediately jump with this 5 and 0 start and they've gotten better and better and better each week. I have them winning and I think they're going to set up an incredible showdown April 11th with Jacksonville State. I'm I'm excited for this Murray State Racer team. Yeah, they got me fired up um, because, like, like you said, they're playing a great brand of football. They have a coach who gets it. They have a coach who knows how to win in this league, and they're doing it, and, and, and they're backing it up. And we don't know much about them because they're in Murray, Kentucky, and they're in the OVC. They're overshadowed by Jacksonville State. They're overshadowed by Austin P, which – such an inconsistent team, but they still draw a lot of headlines because they were a playoff team from a year ago. They probably, in the grand scheme of things, they're overshadowed by the Missouri Valley Conference, uh, the Colonial, things like that. People don't people don't realize that there's something brewing down there in Murray, Kentucky. There's going to be a great showdown next week, but that's next week. We're talking about this week. Uh, they have to get on the road. It's going to be a test. I mean, Austin Peay's not going to lay down. Um, and they're probably not going to play as sloppy as they did. However, Murray State's 5-0, 5-0 for a reason. They're explosive. I think they're going to win the turnover battle. 
I think you're going to see a Murray State team that's extremely motivated, and that's going to carry them to a nice road win. Give me the give me the racers. Well, we're all choosing, so that means Austin P is definitely winning. Uh, next, Southern and Jackson State. We got a great, great game here this weekend. Uh, Coach Prime coming off of his first loss two weeks ago. Uh, Southern has a has a really, really talented team again this season. Uh, they are favored by one and a half points on the road in Jackson. Uh, so, Josh, who are you leaning towards in this one? Yeah, I mean, this is this is why prime time is such an intriguing hire. I mean, how how does this team respond after their first loss? I, I think you know some of uh, his exuberance on the sideline is intoxicating. When you're winning, it feels really annoying if things aren't going well. And so what's these last two weeks of practice been like for Jackson State? I think Southern was a little bit more of a proven commodity coming into the season. Um, And they're playing maybe a little bit better than Jacksonville State or, or Jackson State, excuse me. It's tough to really tell just based on who they've played. I mean, Jackson State ignoring uh, the Edwards water game. So against FCS foes, they're two and one uh, beat up Mississippi Valley state. Who's one of the worst FCS teams in the entire country uh, and won a squeaker at Grambling Southern uh, similar kind of mixed bag. They, they squeak past Alabama state um, beat out uh, Texas Southern beat the snot out of them, but then lost to Arkansas Pine Bluff. So it's a coin flip game for a reason. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the team that was just better on paper back when we did our predictions. So for literally no other reason than that, I'm taking Southern. Okay. Coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think this Jackson State team, we don't know hardly anything about them. Uh, I think the one team they played that has somewhat of a pulse, Alabama A&M, they, they lost, got trolled. All that stuff. So I, I think you're going to see a team. I mean, I think Jackson State's going to come out motivated. That's not that's not an issue. But are they experienced enough? Are they have they been involved enough? Have they improved enough to be able to win a game like this? Southern is a Southern is a program that's not. No matter how down they seem, they always, you know, Jackson State, Grambling State. You know, some there, there's a few of these games on their schedule that, no matter what the circumstances. They're going to play hard. They're going to play well. And I don't think that changes this week. I, I think Coach Prime's going to get his uh, – he's going to get his uh, another dose of his welcome to the swack. I'm taking right. Southern. I'm taking the Jags. Right. I'm also taking Southern. Uh, I think that starting next season, we're going to see Jackson State really start to take off. But this season, I still like the, I still like the overall talent – that's accumulated on Southern. So give me uh, give me the Jaguars over the Tigers. And finally, guys, we really haven't talked about the Patriot League very much this spring. Well, actually, Matt, before you preview this game, which was a huge game in the 1890s. I was actually going to give us a little history now. lesson before we got into the game. Well, I, I, just want, I just wanted to double check. I'm seeing some stuff that this game has been postponed. Are you? 
Is that true? Yeah, it, it's it's showing on ESPN schedule. Oh, yep, now it is showing up. As literally since we started recording, it's been postponed. When we started yeah. recording, it was still on. So we were going to preview the rivalry, the rivalry, a game that's been played 155 times since Ooh. 1884, the most played college football rivalry in the country. You know what the least played college football rivalry is? Um, the conflict game between Connecticut and Central Florida. <laughs> <laughs> the conflict trophy. Oh, God. Oh, God. Didn't they just, like, leave it on the field once? Didn't, like, UCF just, like, <laughs> yes. leave it? So, like, we don't even want yeah. this? Like, yeah. Do we have to take it was not... this? Look, Iowa alum Bob Diaco, you know, not as finest moment hey oh, by God. the way I'm, I'm there's a clip that i that i watched on youtube earlier um today doing my coaching professional development this school urbandale high school i don't know where they're located that sounds like an illinois the school. one in iowa yeah it's in iowa it's an iowa school yeah well i didn't know if there was another urbandale around the country if it's the iowa one which i'm assuming it is it's a huge suburb of Des Moines. okay they well they they use the miami u and the Kansas Jayhawk <laughs> as their logos. But both there of them? We go. Yeah. Yeah, why not? They're the Urbandale Jayhawks. The U. They use the U and they use the Jayhawk. Do they all their colors are their colors are purple and white? Do they also use do they have a turnover uh, they, chain and chant rock chalk? Like they must. Yeah, th- this looks blue. I hope they have it. I hope they. Well, their their track team at the Drake Relays wears uh, purple and white. They. Um. I hope that they have two different mascots. I hope they have an Ibis and a Jayhawk, and that they get into fights with each other during the game. All right. Well, with the unfortunate news that the rivalry has been postponed, uh, the conflict. Oh, I was thinking. Sorry, I was thinking of what. I was thinking of Waukee. They're another Des Moines suburb that kills it at the track meet every year anyway go ahead Matt. Well, i was gonna say with that <laughs> i think that's gonna wrap it for us today. well josh are you gonna kill it at your trap track meet next week uh no i just watched the drake relays but uh we did bury elite i know matt you didn't pose that question but we did bury elite i mean it goes even without saying at this point that we buried elite like our our old friends in the good state of arkansas arkansas pine bluff they're the only fcs Central, team in action because Central, Central is not in action, I guess. No. So uh But they're still the lead Pine story. Bluff. Pine Bluff, they're undefeated still. Um they haven't played since March twentieth. But they have a game scheduled still as of now at Mississippi Valley State. Mm. Uh Mississippi Valley State is well, they've only played once, and they lost forty three to seven. Should they just change their rights to Jerry, their name to Jerry Rice University? <laughs> like uh, they shouldn't, like North Texas, how they're mean. Yeah, I mean, they, they, green they after I, I feel like they they should just be like the Mississippi Valley State, like Jerry's <laughs> or something. Like yeah. Um, well, it, well, in all and be derogatory <laughs> towards Germans. <laughs> in all seriousness, you know, Pine Bluff is undefeated. This is a very winnable game, but on the flip side, we mentioned it when we previewed this, Mississippi, Valley State, they've been awful for a long time. Decades now. Since Jerry Rice was and, there. Yeah, and so they're kind of uh, a team that we 
are going to pull for during the spring football to, to see some improvements. They lost 43 to seven in their opener offense had a long, long, long day. Uh, let's, let's put some points on the board. Delta devils. Yeah, let's see it. All right. Well, I think that is going to do it for us here today on the illegal motion college football podcast. So on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach Corey Burton here in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from McKinley County, Josh Cook, up there in Chicago, Illinois. This is the Professor Emeritus in the Windy City, or in the, I should say in Music City, not in the Windy City right now. I'm in the Music City. <laughs> Matt, you saying, tell me if you make a road trip. <laughs> saying so long <laughs> and see you next time on Maybe the Legal Motion College Football Podcast. You know I only go to two plots. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.